On June 15, the State of the World's Fathers 2021 report came up, highlighting the persistent individual and structural challenges that contribute to the unequal distribution of care work. Some of the key findings of this report were 85% of men say they will do whatever it takes to be very involved in the early stage of caring for a newborn or adopted child. Despite men's uptick in participation, the research finds that the world is at least 92 years away from achieving equality in unpaid care work between men and women. As well, the research affirms that men's equitable participation in caregiving brings benefits to men themselves, to their partners, their children, and to societies. So, what do we have to do to cultivate caring in men and involve them in parenting and domestic tasks? And to think about care as centered in our lives, as what supports us and drives us. This is Gary Baker at the launch of State of the World's Fathers 2021 report. Care is our individual and common ability to provide the political, social, material, and emotional conditions that allow the vast majority of people and living creatures on this planet to thrive along with the planet itself. And I think that definition takes us to the politics of care as well as to the humanity of care. Hi, I am Valeria Saray. And I am Daniela Ceron. And once again, we welcome you to Gender Kaleidoscope, where we talk about gender in its multiple faces and colors. As we promised in our last episode, today we will explore the idea of care as an antidote of violence. Once again, we will talk with Sebastian and Vessel to discuss and reflect on this. previous episode, we talk about how we can teach caring in boys, and you shared it with us multiple strategies to awake the sheep of care in their heads since they are little. But what about adults? Is it possible to awake this sheep in them? How can we encourage them to cultivate caring? And how can we involve them in the parenting task? It is, it is an, a process that is very difficult. With my partner, sometimes it's about talking more about like how do we distribute tasks that seems feels fair and equal. And sometimes I feel like I do a lot of work, but I am not getting to where she is because she's carrying that mental load of the things that I'm not thinking about. Um, writing Christmas cards, thinking about gifts for people for birthdays, right? So I'm trying to take more on that and say, like, what about if I do this piece of next? And, and, and I know for her, sometimes explaining to me, it's much more work than doing it. And also be kind of humorous and silly with her and be like, yeah, but if you don't explain and help me out here, you're going to be doing this forever. So it's, you know, finding those spaces in which you can find humor and say, like, you know what, let's help each other. It's a learning process. I appreciate her help and patience. So how do we start creating space 
and ways in which we help children and youth to learn how to take care of themselves as essential life skills. This is not something that makes you a better catch. No, this is about your ability to take care of yourself because how can you take care of others if you're unable to take care of your own um, properly? For many of us who have kind of evolved in that sense of understanding and learning more about care, we're able to take care of others. We're able to take care of ourselves in certain ways, but the emotional element is the one that is still very, very incipient. We're still learning about that because it's very tender as well. It's important to give yourself patience, but this is like, again, like gardening, right? Sometimes you put some bulbs on, on your garden and they don't grow for a season, but they're there. Uh, so sometimes you, you also gotta give yourself the benefit of time when, when you can for that own process of healing. And at the same time, recognizing that there are things that the more you go into this process, the more they emerge on you. And uh, just to say that uh, when uh, when I hear somebody specifically like men saying like, yeah, but women have to teach us. And it's like, women owe you nothing. They don't have to teach you. They don't have to educate you. You have to start doing that process yourself. There's a thing called Google. There's a thing called library. There's a thing called YouTube. Start. Go figure it out. Because when you start with a genuine curiosity, you start getting yourself into that different understanding of life. Nobody learned how to cook from the get-go. You just learn. Caring for others. Oh, that's it requires a different kind of skills. So it's a matter of starting to find ways in which, like when you do yoga, right? That you meditate and you do practices and you do pose different positions it's the same with cleaning it's like the more you do them the more you start getting a sense of what it takes how it looks like when it is when it's well done or not how long does it take you why matters and then you start making sense of like the universe that opens in front of you with care in terms of the best way to involve men in doing more of the kinds of care work that women do, we can depend on individual men's willpower to change that at an individual level in an individual relationship. But it's often, and I think it's more sustainable to think about how we change the environment within which men and women live that would support men's engagement in care work in more uh, thoughtful ways. So at the moment, we've just seen the release of the new State of the World's Fathers report for 2021. And the report outlines seven actions that can be taken to improve the structures that uh, surround men and women, which could increase the way that or increase men's participation in care work. So in other words, it's not only depending on an individual's willpower, but it is depending on the system around them. For example, thinking about the employment of men as preschool teachers in safe ways that would make it accessible to children and to men to see men employed in more caregiving professions. That would not only have the effect of normalizing men as caregivers, when we see more men employed in caring positions, but it would also have the effect that I spoke about a moment ago in terms of having children grow up with caring men around them um, and that would uh, allow the children to also uh, understand and normalize the fact that men can be trusted and gentle and caring so that would is one structural measure employing men in paid caring positions that will have a profound effect on balancing the care load but also having an intergenerational transfer
As Vessel mentions, it is also about the enabling environment to allow men to develop caring activities. This leads us to talk about a very important issue, parental leaves. Did you know that until 2018, out of 187 countries, 107 had some paternity leave policies? In some cases, they're paid, in some others, they're not. Additionally, these policies usually have a few days to take this benefit, from 2 to 10 days average. But, at the same time, this measure may not contribute to an equitable redistribution of newborn care tasks and household shorts, don't you think? So this is this is quite interesting because one of the things that I think a lot about is like, yes, there's a studies that says like, let's say like academics that are parents, when uh, women take parental leave, they're taking parental leave and they don't publish. But a lot of men, when they're taking parental leave, they publish more because they have more, quote unquote, free time to publish. So there are a lot of incentives for some of these people to abuse those kind of policies that create buckets of, let's say, time that is paid to do one thing that you're not doing. But you can't punish everybody because of those people. Because you're depriving a lot of people with the opportunity to actually have a transformative experience of in life. In the Colombian case, and in many of the cases, this is changing Because I think that we have, I think it's around 70 countries in the world today offer some sort of parental leave, while I think it's 141 offer maternity leave. So you can see a big gap there. And then I think the medium amount of days that men get around the world is like 10 days, which is not significant whatsoever. Not significant whatsoever. And that starts early, right? That doesn't, in the case of birthing parents, that starts earlier. That starts with prenatal visits. Because research shows, done by Promundo in Brazil and in other contexts, that when you involve men in health protocols in the prenatal visits, the effect is exponential. If you have men at home when a baby comes, it's exponential. Uh, and at the same time, that means training health workers on this. I had experience of, of, of a close friend who uh, was basically, his son was sick, took him to the doctor. The, the baby needed to stay overnight. And the doctor was saying like, where is the mom? And he was saying, she's not here. She went home. I'm going to stay with the baby. And she was like, what? Why? What? I mean, and he's like, well, because I'm the parent. And the, her response was like, but you don't know what's happening with him. So when you have a, an authority in terms of health, talking to you in a way that it's infantilizing and diminishing and undermining your own ability to care as a man. It tells you that society-wide, we don't believe that men are able to care or capable of caring. And that's wrong, right? And at the same time, when you have these policies that are focusing on developing parental leave that is paid and it's tied to the workplace only, what about the majority of the people in Colombia, for instance, that work but that are in the informal sector? So you're making this not only a privilege because you're pr prioritizing on those who are in the formal sector, but also you're discriminating and you're making it more like a classist thing. Like if I'm a white colored person, then I get 16 weeks. But, you know, the guy who sells cigarettes and candy down there that, has, that, he, that he's expecting a baby, well, he'll figure it out. Somebody else will take care of that because he has to provide for his family. That reinforces the same idea of like men work, women at home, you're valuable because you provide. 
According to UN Women, before the pandemic, 243 million women and girls experienced gender-based violence in 2019. Since the COVID-19 outbreak, emerging data has shown that all types of gender-based violence, especially domestic violence, have intensified. Now, given this context, we want to talk about the power of caring. Sebastian, in some articles you say that care could be an antidote to violence. We think it is an attractive hypothesis, so we want to ask you if you believe men could contribute to gender-based violence reduction through caring. This is something I've been thinking a lot about in the last six months or a year, especially during the COVID context, because what we see based on, the, for instance, the, the, world, the State of the World Fathers Report, it shows that in the pandemic, this is the, the time in history, recent history, where men took up as the highest amount of care And at the same time, is the time where there has been more experiences of gender-based violence in the households. So it's like you're caring a lot and you're being very violent. And how do we hold those two things together? So when I think about gender-based violence, I think that some of the approach has always been focused on women. How do we empower women? How do we create systems? And it's like, you can train every single female-identified person in the world today. And if men still use violence, it's going to continue happening. So you need to focus on men as well and say, like, you are the perpetrator of this violence. What's going on with you that you're using violence as a mean, valid uh, way of expressing your emotions? And what's the role of a society that allows and normalizes that to happen and make it a private issue, something that happened in your home so it belongs to the realm of the private? So I think that the pandemic, for me, made me think a lot about how in the same unit, right, the household, you experience all the care and you experience all the violence. And care as an antidote is because when we tell men don't be violent, we need to we need to start providing elements of like, well, it's not about not exercising force, it's about how do you start developing tools and skills for allowing to articulate your emotions in ways that are not violent. And for me, in my experience and what I've seen, is that the practices of care allow men to start cultivating that in a way that is meaningful, that is transformative, and that allow men to actually express emotions under a different, under a different lens. And, and sometimes we think about the care of only the household, but it's the care of you know, domestic tasks, is the care of yourself, is like how well I eat, how well I sleep. Is there, I don't think there's something more feminist than all of these the ways of being, right? It's like thinking about your own emotional care and physical care and also like others. And how do you provide love? Well, if you're at home, you cook. Sometimes as men, we feel like the only thing we can do is play. And it's like, no, there, 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 there are many things that we can do within the household and the articulation of emotions in a healthy way makes you less prone to use violence. So uh, caring for things like flowers, caring for the environment, is not that you only care for those that are near you. It's that care is a way in which you understand life and you start centering your life around care. Um, and, and I do think that care, and I'll give my personal example, I decided that I was gonna reduce the amount of time that I'll be working because I, I wanna care for my son. Before I didn't know, I used to travel a lot being in places doing this work, and then I didn't know what I was missing. 
and I'm not romanticizing this tragedy of this pandemic, but for me, the impact was that now I have experienced what is the cost of me not caring for my son, and I'm not willing to give that away. And I think that many people are in that same process. So it's like, how can we find in care this space to say, this is a desirable way to exercise your masculinity? Not only at home, because you can be a wonderful, caring, feminist parent and an awful co-worker and an awful person outside. Parenthood is an expression of your masculinity. And what we're doing here is that care allows us to revisit that masculinity and manhood and say, like, how do I align these conversations about objectification of women and harassment with my new sense of caring? It doesn't. It doesn't. So, like I said, these are thoughts that I'm thinking more and more about. And they sometimes might seem disorganized or ideas that are brewing. But this is how I'm seeing it. And I'm trying to position it not as, you know, something revolutionary, but rather as a conversation. I say, like, do you see it the same way? Does it make sense? What it would it take for us to explore that in a way that can be more tangible? Yes, I, I do think that men's contribution to care work does have an influence on reducing gender-based violence. Um, I have to be very careful to say that, you know, doing things like only doing more of the care work in the household, that does not automatically cause a, a reduction in the risk of violence. So the fact that a man does wash more dishes in a house or sweeps the floor more does not mean that he is less likely to use violence. But where it is important is that if men spend more of their attention and emotion in caring about those around them, of course, that would reduce the likelihood um, of them using violence against those people if they have more of an empathic, sympathetic stance towards uh, people who might be exposed to violence. Is the first way in which men's contribution to gender-based violence reduction can happen through caring. The second way is by reducing the unpaid caregiving workload that women carry, it would mean that women have more time for their own income generation and their own leisure. So that would also make them less vulnerable to violence. For example, if a woman is depending or if a family of children depend on a woman to care for them and she is not able to go and look for work, that puts her in a vulnerable position of being dependent on another source of financial income. If uh, someone else takes over that work, if some of that work is shared by other household members or by men, then uh, she has more time available to actually go and uh, spend some of her own time on generating an income, therefore becoming more independent, therefore being less vulnerable to violence um, perpetrated by somebody who is exploiting her position. So, as our guests were telling us, we can see that care is kind of the surrender of the patriarchy because care humanizes. Caring should be seen as the driving force in men's lives and the antidote to violence because it is very difficult to be violent against someone you take care of. This has been Gender Kaleidoscope. A 
space to shift how we reflect and understand gender and its many and diverse experiences around the world. You can find in the description of this episode the information related to the clips that you have heard during the program. This podcast is produced by FormSIF with Daniela Ceron and Valeria Saray as your hostesses and Carlos Cárdenas and Juliana Torres with their invaluable post-production work. Until next time.